My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Good morning, video games. Welcome to Filthy Casuals, a podcast about video games hosted by three very kind and extremely knowledgeable boys. Thank you very much for joining us. My name is Tommy Dasselow and with me as always... Hey Tommy, it's Ben Vanell here. It's great to be here on Filthy Casuals, the podcast we do together. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> um, it's good to be here, just you and me, Tommy. Mm. Just here to rap about games... As we do every week. Yeah, just the two of us. Yeah. Just two boys chopping it up. Yep. Just a duo, a double act. Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No guests, yep. no features. This famous chemistry that we have, just one-on-one. Just crackling already. The air is sparking with electricity. <laughs> I can't I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're in luck because we actually have a very special guest today. He's uh, a long-time fan of the show. <laughs> He, he won a lottery to, to be a special guest. Uh, I think it was episode. a chocolate bar that had a golden ticket in yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was yeah, a yeah. coin flip between your two fans, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he got us there. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Adam. It's me, Adam Knox. <laughs> What's up, boys? Mm. Now the electricity's crackling. There we yeah, go. Yes. There we go. The main switch has been... Jacked on. Um, I I was all like revved up and ready as well to do like a fake nineties thing. I was gonna do oh, yeah. like a um. There's been an explosion at Professor Grossenstein's laboratory, and now it's making candy. Ooh. Do you remember those fucking <laughs> things Dr. in Horrible? the nineties? Yeah. Yes. I've been thinking about those that that whole time. Yes. Because we're talking about the late nineties, the thing where it's yep. like pour the goop. What into was the all those glove. toys? Yeah, 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 yeah. Where you could make your own disgusting. Uh, v- yeah. yeah th- this venereal disease <laughs> <laughs> looks like a jube. I don't think I ever had one of them, but I remember them seeming a little bit in the same realm as Lego to me, where it's fun to <laughs> make way? it's fun to make the thing. Like oh, you, any right. kit but where it's like it's, it make doesn't this, taste very good. And oh, then you yeah, just yeah, left yeah. with yes. it. It's like, yeah. oh, I've just assembled this thing now and now what? Yeah. My, I have a shitty model of Hogwarts that doesn't really look that much like the real thing. My ex bought me some Lego not that long ago. Okay. To to make. Yeah. Okay. When I built it, it said, I'm breaking up with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got all the way through that 70 page instruction it took forever. thing. Yeah. Because they don't use words in Lego, so any age can make it. Yes. I didn't really realize what it was saying. You thought but it was going to be the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> yeah. At what point of constructing this phrase did you realize you were being broken up with? Yeah. Like, uh, you, as you're making the K, you're like, Oh, I don't feel good about this. <laughs> well, they yeah. get you to do it in all separate segments, so yeah, it didn't right. make sense until yes. I put it on. Yeah, yeah. No, it was like a little moon uh, car, and it the, the 
process of building it was very relaxing. I was a bit stressed out. Yeah. And it was a very nice gesture at the time mm. to do a thing. But now I've got this fucking Lego thing that every time I look at it, I'm like, oh. Yeah. But I'm also aware of how expensive Lego is. So I'm like, if I throw it away, that's like me wasting my own money at yeah. this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You yeah, haven't thought of just like therapeutic, it. like... Lego smash. Lego smash. Uh, or take it apart and make something else with it. Oh. A bachelor pad or something like that. You could take the remnants of a broken thing and then reconstruct them. No. I'm still at the point where that Lego's got too much self-doubt in it to think it'll ever be <laughs> reconstructed again. Uh, Dr. I'd- Dreadful. I spent that entire time trying to look up what you were talking about. Dr. Dreadful's lab was yeah. that toy. We had it, me and my sister. And I think right. there were a few different ones. There, right, there would right. have been. There would have been maybe different, yeah, different countries had different names for it or something. Yeah, yeah. It tasted like shit. <laughs> it was disgusting. Yeah. Well, it was just, it was, you get like a little, if, if someone's too young to remember this or mm. wasn't, didn't have parents that, like Full stop Didn't have parents <laughs> Sure, sure. Yeah, Would be probably. a great reason For not having Had access to this Or yeah. parents that were Very comfortable with them Just consuming chemicals Yeah Right um, I remember like In the 90s My parents were always like If it has 110 Or 102 In it Those are the bad chemicals oh. For whatever reason Like the preservatives It would list the different numbers Yeah yeah Whatever they are 110 and 102 Were always the Bad ones mm-hmm. I remember when <laughs> Another I was- fucking like mineral with a number attached to it, they're like probably fine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they've given it a number. The scientists made this. I'm sure it's edible. I remember being a little kid, and uh, I think maybe my grandparents getting me as a birthday present like a glow in the dark um, quilt set, like okay. a duna cover and then a pillow cover. That's make it so hard to sleep. Really counterintuitive. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Well, then my dad wouldn't let me use the pillowcase. Like he took the pillowcase off the bed after like one night because he was like. This glow-in-the-dark uh, oh. shit, there's, something's going to be up with this. It's going to give you fucking brain cancer if you're just, like, lying he, on this, like, glow-in-the-dark. When glow did in he the take dark. it away? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing. I think then when I did get sick as a child, yeah. a couple of years after this, I'm sure there was a small part of him oh, that was no. like, fucking pillowcase. Like, yeah. yeah. One night is all it takes. Oh. Made in Chernobyl. Oh, all right. <laughs> I guess I'll sleep under this. Just walking around the just walking around the ward of the children's hospital, trying to like gather other people to launch a class action against yeah. Glowzone. For I had those the, reckless the glow in the dark stars attached to the oh, ceiling. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. No roof is what I'm talking about. Yeah, <laughs> slept yeah, outside yeah. for most of my childhood. <laughs> the they they were they were a '90s bedroom thing. Yes. Um, the the bane of any parent that had to move house with their child, yeah. and then eventually like. Get that shit off the ceiling. I yeah. feel like we definitely moved into a house or two that had that shit remaining. Because mm. we moved a fair bit when I was right. in like the late 90s. We were renting a bunch of different places and whatever for some reason. Mm-hmm. You were on parents, the run. I remember my parents always arguing about like covering something up. Yeah. Getting away with it, sure, like yeah. murder or something. I don't know. Right. You, and you moved countries too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We came yeah, here yeah. from... There's uh, no extradition between the UK and Australia. <laughs> <laughs> You're the dumbest criminals. <laughs> I've only got some dition. We can get away with some dition. Extradition would be too much. Yeah. But, yeah. But anyway, yeah. I remember moving into places with we went. We moved. We rented a place for a bit mm. in around this late nineties period. There was a bright pink house, and inside it had like an intercom. And a sauna. It was small, oh, wow. but someone had clearly gone fucking mental and built all this crazy shit into this small yeah. house, and then painted it bright pink. I was playing with that intercom when I was a kid. Oh yeah, damn, that was cool. I got Ooh. stuck in a cupboard because <laughs> I was always running around. Was there. there an intercom in the cupboard? Well, it's no. <laughs> 
No, of course not. That's why I got stuck. I'd be able to. Sure, that's yeah. yeah. But like running around that house, pretend it was like a secret agent base. Yes. was was very fun. I made the sauna into my office when I was a child. That was a game I played. I had an office. <laughs> the sauna. Yes. Well, because well, it was like just, it was penthouse. It would be your office, it, right? I doubt it would have worked as a sauna. I don't think we ever used it as right. that. It was just like a little tiny, tiny fucking X pantry, like wood panels. Yeah, 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 yeah. With, um, I think it had like one of those. What do you call them? Not a brazier, but a, a brazier. Oh, yeah. sure. A brassiere is what you want. Over the shoulder boulder holder. <laughs> and over the, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> what you were looking yeah. for. There's a sauna in my apartment building that has been inactive for the entire time I've lived there. Mm. There's just been a sign. I've lived there for two years now, coming up on two years. Mm. And, yeah, when I moved in, there was a sign just very vaguely saying the sauna is, isn't is working, isn't, and it's been there the entire time. Mm. And then about two and a half months ago, new sign on the door saying, the sauna is closed due to the outbreak of the coronavirus. I'm like, what an incredible, oh. what an incredible rebranding by my building manager. Yes. Just really saying like, hang on a minute, there's an opportunity here for me to be off the hook from doing absolutely fuck all behind my little desk every day. <laughs> this broken door is now closed due to coronavirus as well. We're not going to fix it because mm. of coronavirus. Mm. I want to mm. make an offer to, to like, because I imagine that that's probably something that's, a big chance of just now never coming back the in, sauna. The, in the building, God, yeah. in, a, in an apartment building sense. But it's Even like. Even if it was there, you wouldn't want to be the person to use it. Because if you go in and you're the first person to set it up and do everything, some other cunt's going to come in there. And it's going to be an old man who's very comfortable with his body. Yeah. Someone's going to well, wander in. But this is the thing. It's right, as you guys will know, it's right next to my apartment. Right. So my apartment is like the closest to this sauna. Right. So I want to make a play. I want to like make an offer to. Like par- it's, it's next to the pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. I want to make an offer to the building manager and just be like, what if I just slip you a little money each month Ooh. and then this becomes my personal sauna? What a way. Put a little lock on the door <laughs> and then it's just purely mine. Well. You'll never <sighs> use it. You'll, there's no way Yeah but just way. knowing That I had my own Little personal sauna In the building It'd be a nice feeling But it's broken yeah. You know that it doesn't work Yeah What's the point of I'll fix it How You'll fix it What do you know about saunas I don't, Nothing but if I'll work it out If for it to out. be broken enough that All a sauna is Is it like a sealed room Yeah yeah, yeah. That has some it ventilation has I guess to yeah, breathe Yeah And then a hot pile of rocks mm. What do you know about hot rocks I guess I could just turn My apartment into a sauna You're right Good point. That's not what I'm saying. Turn the shower on. (laughs) Sit outside and just wait for the room to fill up. Boil some water. Close all the windows. Saunas are the fucking worst. Why would you want this anyway? I've never, ever enjoyed the feeling. The first minute Mm. before you remember how shit it is? Mm. Real good. No. Because you can't breathe immediately as you go in there. Mm. Breathing is one of my most favourite things. I do it all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm off it. Yeah, it's, it's I'm breathe. starting to get a bit over it. At the moment, this last couple of months, not... it's been more of a hindrance. It's I've been holding my breath good. more often in more places, <laughs> yeah. genuinely, for the last yeah. two months than I ever have in my life. Um, but we're here to talk today about the late '90s. So, where were we at at the end of uh, last week's episode? We, we wrapped up the Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. We wrapped up the Mega, the Mega Drive. Slash we wrapped Genesis. up the uh, PC. We didn't wrap up PC we gaming, but just we just started. We just started about about PC yeah. gaming. Yeah. They're the all the other weird little consoles that came out, like the 3DO and mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. They've come and gone right. by the time from like '93 to '95. They're just. 
they have disappeared already. The Virtual Boy we didn't talk about. Oh yeah, but that yeah. popped up towards the end there. That was a big, a big famous failure of Nintendo's. Mm. I guess the reason probably that a lot of those CD-based consoles that were around from sort of '93 to '95 died a definite death was what happened in 1994. Sure. The 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 most successful CD-based console to to be released. In the world, yeah, uh, the PlayStation, the Sega Saturn. Oh, <laughs> the, the Saturn I think came out before the PlayStation. I think you might be right. Those are both nineteen ninety four. November ninety four in Japan for the Saturn, December ninety four for the PlayStation. So yeah, they're around the same time. And at going into it, Sega was still a huge name. Mm-hmm. The Saturn was. Um, their next thing they'd had some fuck ups and people were confused about their hardware because of the like the 32x and the Sega cd yep so they weren't coming into it in the best position uh from that respect but they were a more well-known player do you remember when uh, you probably we're all old enough to remember this when microsoft put out the first xbox which we'll talk about next episode however it was like microsoft yeah yes what do they know about video games sony had the same attitude around them at this time Mm. when it was all being announced and talked about but the big difference between the launch of the Saturn and the PlayStation was that everyone was getting really into 3D at Ooh, this yes. time. And the PlayStation was built to be good at 3D and the Saturn was not. Yeah. Saturn was focused around being really good at 2D, which it was. But that seemed antiquated. Oh, it's an insane move for them, right? Like this was being mm. discussed in the years previous. Yeah. Like, I guess we can talk about now the whole Nintendo, Sony, CD-based console thing yeah but that was already on the horizon 3d graphics and large media to support that was mm. the next thing it at the time i think it was more that 3d hadn't p- p- reached that point where it seemed particularly possible right or, or, or doable well and sega was developing the saturn i guess so because you're making a console you're making it you know fucking years beforehand i guess yeah so they're doing it at the time when 2D is still just fine. And that uh, cultural shift of people thinking, and they thought it very quickly. Mm. Like 95, it was already like 2D games are old. That means they're bad. Yep. They're, we are no longer interested the, I in think them. This is a good point to make because we've come back around. Like, and I think we all remember the shift back towards like pixel art style and 2D games, which mm. happened in the last decade. Ish. Yeah. Ish, maybe less. Yeah. But, I remember so vividly the sort of year or two where 2D games became, like you said, antiquated and embarrassing and old-fashioned, mm. and it happens now. It, and it like happens pretty, like there's a, it's a hard cut. Oh yeah. yeah, they're still putting out 2D games for this entire generation, you know, in parts, but all of them are criticised for having that. People view it as though it's a lack of effort mm. or a, a you know a, a lack of skill to make something 2D instead of 3D, mm-hmm. which is bonkers to think about now. Yeah. But, yeah, very much at the time, 3D was the new big boy. 2D, just a little tiny boy. Yeah. And I'm who not- likes a little boy? <laughs> not me. No one worth... Not me. No. <laughs> That's for sure. I'm halfway through reading a book called 500 Years Later, which is a um, an expanded um, kind of version of an oral history of Final Fantasy VII that the guy wrote for uh, Polygon. Yes. Polygon, yeah. yeah. And the beginning of it is kind of all about this. So that franchise is maybe one of the best examples of 
the decision of developers taking the leap from 2D to 3D outside mm. of Mario, but that's almost a different one because that's them. That's kind of like a showpiece for their hardware that right. Nintendo have also developed. But yeah, they, they come to the end of the line with the Super Nintendo and it's pretty clear, like the writing's on the wall, like, okay, this is this is the talk that 3D is going to be the next thing and we kind of we kind of can't really get away with doing another 2D pixel art one. So we've got to, yeah, we've got to look at the, the future mm-hmm. we've got to like change up how we've how we've done this and it's very like it's very overwhelming to them like yeah. they have to run all these tests and have all these tech demos they famously don't they go back and forth between which hardware they should make it for should yeah. they make it for the playstation or should they make it for the nintendo 64 and like it just ends up coming down to like which which one is going to be have the better hardware for their for their vision and the the storage media was a big yeah. deal yeah. as well because like there's that demo that is out in, on the internet of like an early sort of tech test thing for a Final Fantasy game in 3D, and it's the characters from six rendered in 3D in a very Nintendo 64 looking way. Right. Apparently, it wasn't made like deliberately be like this is what it looked like on the 64. It was just made with like those really fucking expensive work desks. There's a silicon. It's like uh, Apple yeah. Pixar shit. But it was like a test to see, can we make a battle system working this way? Can we make it look good? How to, What does this end up looking like? And it's like a 3D rendered battle thing, but they realized very quickly that the size of it and the difficulty in developing and the amount of extra time it took to develop 3D environments mm. meant that with the decision the Final Fantasy made, they wanted the pre-rendered background yep. with fewer 3D proper rendered assets on top of it yep. for the sake of A, time, and B, um, like power, yeah. how it looks. And even considering all of that, Final Fantasy VII still had to be on three discs, yeah. Yeah. three like CDs. So, and that was a huge thing for them was that, yeah, they didn't... And that they, they didn't have like recorded music. It was all like, uh, I think it was called Red Book Audio. The, oh, yeah. It was like MIDI on the PlayStation, basically. Right. It was very light files because it's... It's just data telling it which note to play. There's mm. a yeah. There's a they talk to the composer in this book, and he's really interesting. Where he he like it's pretty compressed the audio mm. because otherwise the game was just taking so long to load. Mm. And then he remembers like looking back on it not that long after it had come out, but something else that had come out around the same time where the audio quality was like way higher. And he now is like, oh man the audio in this sounds in Final Fantasy VII sounds kind of shitty by comparison. He's kind of like goes back and forth between like, uh, I mean, it kind of had to be done Mm. because we really didn't want the loading times to be too extreme. Is he talking about like the sound effects with that? Because Final Fantasy VII, I remember having like some pretty shitty like... I think just all of it. It's really low quality. And there was something else that came out at the same time that did it to a higher quality and sure the loading times were better and he was kind of a bit like ah once you're in it it does sound a lot better Mm. it's a bit of a shame but like kind of kicking himself a little bit like after it came out after the fact well and that happened a lot that sort of uh, adjustment period of people trying to figure out how to work these new consoles which was another big thing between the differences between the saturn and the playstation because even like people saw it there was like a tech demo with like a walking t-rex that sony put out of oh, the playstation yeah, yeah that was a big thing where people were like what the fuck i'm terrified <laughs> this train's coming right towards me because <laughs> they were watching it on a platform and and they, uh, unfortunately fell off <laughs> anyway <laughs> <laughs> but sony kind of went hard in picking up people so because th- they, they kind of knew that they needed oh yeah they made a big play to get square they made a big play to get a bunch of other companies and then you compare that to sega who 
you know, again, Mario 64 was like a system seller. They mm. have this asset of mm. this character that everyone knows, so they, they really work hard to work out how that's going to look in 3D. And then you look at what a Sega do with Sonic on the Saturn. They just put out all these kind of weird quasi-3D. They just seem to not know what to do with him. They've got this asset that potentially could have sold systems, but they just didn't know how to use it. Uh, they never figured out how to do Sonic in 3D yeah. Yeah. during that time. And then when they did put out 3D Sonic games, they still didn't know what the fuck Yeah, to do. exactly. But so, yeah, there was a different sort of how people were looking at it. People like inside of who were thinking about it anyway, like people who were already paying attention to video games, mm. saw the PlayStation and like, oh, this is the most powerful one of these 3D consoles so far and it's actually doing mm. what a 3d thing should but then the other thing was that developing for the saturn was very very difficult right so it, it had like a weird structure where it had these different processes that weren't normal and you had to be very across how to program for it to make anything decent for it whereas the playstation was easier to program for which is very very similar to like the early days of the 360 and the ps3 mm. where sega is sony then they're coming into it arrogant they're like we've got we'll be fine people sega means video games yeah. to most people i mean that's the thing like going to japan there's still buildings across every city with giant sega branding yeah. huge arcades yeah. they are still successful there but mm. that is how it felt across the world the mega drive slash genesis was very successful yeah. it did like we talked about how there are not a lot of franchises that sort of carried across through history from those platforms, but you know they had big games. They were successful. Sonic was still huge. Yep. Yeah, they uh, were a big name, and they already had the marketing budget to do it. And so in Japan, they were a lot more successful with the Saturn than they were in the West. But right. a big problem for the Saturn in the West was that Nintendo of America, who I think were sort of in control of some European parts of it as well. You mean Sega of America? What did I say? Nintendo. Yeah, I meant Nintendo. They were doing Sega. That's why Sega failed. <laughs> yeah, I, that's I a very confusing marketing strategy. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, Microsoft of America were <laughs> working... Uh, like, fucked Sega over. Sega of America did by releasing the Saturn. So when they put it out, it was like around... It was the 11th of May, 1995 in North America, which was during E3 of that year. Right. And so there's this big thing of like there's when did the playstation that is come out and a crazy time to release it's something. fucking yeah. stupid especially like when in the middle of e3 when a lot of your retailers don't realize you're doing this mm. so they clearly made that decision Fuck. very very quickly yeah they're like oh let's take advantage of the groundswell of, of interest in video games yeah. let's do a big we'll get launch. out there fucking first yeah. the playstation's coming for us so we want to be in homes before the PlayStation launches, which doesn't happen until the 9th of September, 95, in uh, North America. So a, f a few months, a few months gap. They, and they do have a lead, yep, which is cool, but then they don't have many games for it, obviously. Mm -hmm. It's quite expensive, I believe, at the time. They put it out in this weird staggered launch where they're like, it's out now, but then they haven't even shipped it to a lot of different retailers and stuff. Right. And this is 95, so obviously you need to go to a shop yeah. to be able to buy an object. <laughs> And <laughs> they this don't have... This is important information to relay to our teenage listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Noxonomics. You don't have your Ebays. You don't have your fucking Wish.coms. Yes. Where you buy most of your products from. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But so th they tell people it's out. 
then no one can get it because yeah. it's not really that out. It's not distributed. I and remember then, going to shops like to get a book or something and you go mm. to a bookshop in like the 90s and it's like, oh, we don't have that book. We'll put it on order. It'll be here in a month. Yeah. And then you're like, well, maybe I don't want that book. Even like, that kind of stuff does disrupt that process. The yeah. concept of a release date is something that has only taken hold in my mind within the last 15 years or yeah. so mm. yeah, because yeah. It, you can get it immediately on yeah. that day yeah, yeah. yeah and it was like we'll put it out in march but when your shop's gonna get it who fucking knows yeah, yeah. so the thing that sat so Sega's already like kind of launching weird and then for the remainder of this generate or the existence of the saturn mm. the west doesn't get a lot of the good games that come out in japan they don't bother translating them or localizing them or anything like that. And there are good Saturn games that we just never fucking saw. Yeah. And it it just it dies this very rapid death from how big and popular the PlayStation then becomes. Well, we yes. talked on the last episode about, yeah, our personal memories with the Super Nintendo and the Mega Drive. You know, I traded my uh, oh, yeah. Nintendo in for a Mega Drive. Yes. I remember the PlayStation kind of factoring in to me around this time. I didn't right. have one, but I was very aware of it. Like, okay, this is kind of this interesting looking new thing. And and then, you know, jumping ahead a bit, but then the Dreamcast. I don't remember the Saturn factoring in to my life at all. I, mm. I, I barely remember being aware of it. Again, this is one of those things that yeah. I don't remember ever seeing in a shop in this country to right. where if you told me that it just never released here, I would just believe you because I, I never saw one in the just, flesh. There was nothing about it that fit with the time that it came out. In retrospect, you can go back to it and be like, oh, there's some cool stuff on here and what a weird little moment in time mm. this thing exists within. But it was focusing on arcade-style games. It had it was very powerful for 2D stuff, but kind of sucked for 3D. Two trends which were very much going away by the time it had come out. Yeah. People didn't give a shit about arcade-style games, yeah. really, at that time. It was all moving into RPGs and longer, you know, form things, shooters and adventure kind of games, you know, the type of game that started existing in the late fucking 90s. Mm. Not arcade-style games. Mm. Yeah. Platformers were big, shit like that. And then, yeah, the 3D stuff. So the Sega... Saturn didn't have the games if you were paying attention. And then if you weren't paying attention, you didn't fucking know about it because Sony comes out with this really fucking good marketing strategy for the PlayStation, <laughs> yeah. which is to make it the very first cool video game console. Yeah, yeah, this is maybe Legitimately. The, the first marketing campaign I remember experiencing. Yeah, right. And, and caring about and grabbing me because it really did. Yeah. Um, the I don't know. I, I just watched that T-Rex 3D demo, by the way. That's taken me back to a, a very, very young and uh, delighted place. <laughs> the fucking PS1 graphics are my favourite of anything. The weird yeah. warbly fucking shitty looking textures that are yes. flopping around all over <laughs> yeah, the place yeah, yeah. and yes. changing shape. Yeah. It feels like being in this weird fucking dream. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Siphon filter. Oh. <laughs> Fuck off. But uh, yeah, so the marketing campaign, you're right. They aimed it at... Teens to young adults, yeah. basically. They shipped a bunch out to like nightclubs and stuff. Yeah. And they just have them set up there with like wipeout on them yep. and be like, hey, you hear that music? That's in this game. And this game's for people who take drugs. <laughs> <Yeah>. So. <laughs> Was there were there celebrity tie-ins and stuff? I probably feel like fucking who would have been around that time? Corey, someone. There were a bunch probably. of Corys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anna Kornikova would have had yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Here's, uh, young Conan O'Brien holding the PlayStation. <laughs> There's a great story in this book about Square, like when Sony's really courting them. They yeah. say, okay, if we're going to put this on your console, you've got to sell three million of them for it to be worth our while. Of the console. Yeah, yeah. Mm. We, right. we need you to have 
a base of three million PlayStations for it to be worth us because they're spending big on making this game. Yeah. Um, and they also like Sony gives them this incredible deal where they give them like a, a six a six title deal. They still retain like a lot of the takings from it, even though Sony are essentially doing like a lot of the work of like the marketing and the releasing of it and publishing it. Yeah. Like Square still keeps an amount of money that's like basically parallel to if they had have just done it themselves. Like Square mm. just kind of sorry, Sony just kind of bend over and are right. just like this is what this is what we got to do. We're the new guys. This pub this developer has like huge clout. Mm. Yeah, we want this game on our system. You know, yeah, this is this is a long term thing. Getting these guys in with us is is going to pay off big time in the future. So mm. let's just give them what they want. It's a it's a strategy that Sony still used during the whole PS4 generation as well. When they yeah. were sort of on the back foot after the PS3, which ended up selling better than the 360. I think globally at some point it like changed. Right. But the 360 blew it out of the water for a while towards the start, mm. and Sony got scared from that and did it again with PS4. And then. Microsoft now has been buying up studios and yeah. trying to make these deals yeah. the same way as Sony was back then. But so, like, so. The, that three million uh, like console sale mark is uh, very conservative. The the PS One or the PlayStation ended up selling one hundred and two million units in total. Yeah, that's well. a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I remember yeah. being called the PSX at the time. It was yeah. indeed yes, because they had the. The con- like the buttons that was all of this was I new. So. All of this aesthetic stuff was the, yeah. was the brand new. Yeah. The two yeah. shoulder buttons was yeah. the L two and R two. They did the first two stick dual analog mm-hmm. controller. Yep. Uh, the vibration inside of the controller was there. Th- like the sixty four did analog and it did the fucking rumble pack and all that shit. But they yeah streamlined all of that a lot more. Didn't really use. But anyway, the um, what were we fucking talking about? Oh yeah, <laughs> the number of um. Ones they saw. Oh, it yeah. was called the PSX. The PSX was like the code name for it beforehand. It just stayed as a branding. Then the PS1 was like that little tiny the little smooth one, yeah. one, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which had a screen you could attach to it. Oh, that's right. Well, yeah, it's it's probably worth pointing out because it, I'm sure a lot of people already know this, but we have kind of been pushing these episodes to maybe people who aren't as familiar with video games. So maybe there are some new people listening to this. That the you know the really interesting thing about the PlayStation is that it started as a a partnership between Sony and Nintendo yes. is going to be a basically a souped-up Super Nintendo using CDs. Nintendo basically kind of um and ah and then end up getting cold feet and bailing on it mm. and Sony get very fucked off by this and then just go ahead and make it themselves. They bail on it in some kind of a shitty way. Yeah. I don't know if like the full details of what happened came to light ever. Which is a similar thing with Square. Like in this right. book, they there's a, like a little um, a, a little editor's note basically saying that the company line at some point with Square has clearly been to say that it just suited them to use um, to go with the PlayStation because of the storage, the amount of storage right. they could have. Because at but this point, Square had pretty much exclusively been making games for Nintendo yeah, machines. Yeah, mm, they were yeah. they were really in deep with them, so it was a big deal for them to leave. But there's sort of conjecture from around the time, and that they were it was it, that definitely the storage being part of the reason but that they were getting the shits with Nintendo not really communicating with them as well and that there was like a bit more of a, that it wasn't purely a storage thing that it was and they they kind of ended up being pretty iced by Nintendo off the right. back of that for a very very long time they they yeah. couldn't really get there's someone in there tells a story about how they they couldn't get them to return their calls like they just like completely didn't talk to them so it was like a pretty icy falling out even though the company like it's funny because like the 
interviews in the book, the company line now, present day, is to clearly just like not talk negatively about mm. them, like just go, you know, we just did some tests and it just came down to a storage thing. That was the only way to do it was on the CDs. It's weird how that story, that thing of like the front runner in the industry becoming arrogant and losing next time around mm. a lot of what they had. Like that happened with Nintendo now, moving from the Super Nintendo to the 64. It happened from Sony from the PS2 to the PS3. It happened with Microsoft from the 360 to the Xbox One. I will- it happens with Nintendo from Wii to the Wii U. Yeah. yeah. It happens at least once every generation, sometimes twice. Yeah. It's crazy. If and your last console was a success, your next one is probably going to be a pile of I, shit. The PS1 yeah. and the PS2, they managed to like keep it up for. That's true. I, I think because Sega are in there and they die during that. So right, yeah. Like yeah. One they of them literally kill off. That's how big Sony was. We'll talk about... Oh, but I guess the Dreamcast comes out now, so we'll talk about it later. But we'll talk about it now. In terms of Saturn, because there's probably not going to be much more to say about it, except for... Whether or not we played one, we we actually experienced. I don't think I've ever played one. I did. Uh, is that the one that you won in a in a contest? No, I won one at a Civic Video when I was a child. Incredible. Yes. But um, then sold that and got a PlayStation with the Great. money from that. Like at exactly the what right a time. Boss move. Yes. Yeah. The yeah. thing was discontinued. Like a house flipper or something. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and then I I bought one back up when they were like fifty bucks at a reject oh. shop. Um, Picturing this as like a public event where like they bring Knox up on stage, like what's the first thing you're going to do on your Sega Saturn, young man? I'm going to sell it to get a PlayStation. <laughs> I kept it for like I had it for maybe a month or something, and yeah. like hired a couple games from that Civic Video. Maybe I got free fucking hires because I won. Right? The oh, they, just, they, they them seeing you come in. Here he is, <laughs> wanting bloody Knights into Dreams, are you? Bloody Panzer Dragoon, eh? Yes. Uh, one Crash Bandicoot. That, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. If you didn't want to admit to the video store that you'd gotten rid of it. <laughs> but so it, it it just didn't have many fucking good games at all. It felt yeah. old. It, it really did seem like it wasn't part of this new wave of stuff. Knights was on it, wasn't it? That, yeah. That, so I remember being interested in that because that was like, oh, it's the, the Sonic creators, like, mm. new thing. But then it was just basically, yeah, it was too, is kind of like, 3D-ish looking graphics, but it's still 3D. Is 2D. And it, they put out this weird analog controller for it because right. you move around. Through, but it was, yeah, then it ended up being like a 2D flying thing where you're just collecting little gems and it fucking wasn't very good, Yeah, I don't think. And people, there are people who like it, but it's a very arcadey, hey, replay this and beat your high score style game, right. which I think a lot of people were sort of sick of by then Yeah, because it did go away Yeah, for a lot of this generation. Some of the other games... That came out on the Saturn. There were ports of like Resident Evil and Symphony of the Night and stuff like that. Um, the Virtua Fighter games were mm. big. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, again, though, you're talking about an arcade fighting game that is being ported over. Like, not necessarily the hottest thing in the world. Tekken and shit did well, though. Like, fighting games were still big at this time. Mm. Yes. Uh, Sonic R is a terrible... Racing? Yeah. No, no, no. Oh. Sonic says the R word. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah it's like i mean i know that sega were like the pioneers of the 90s attitude in the right. early half but they really took it one step too uh, far yes. in retrospect sonic blackface is no <laughs> good jimmy fallon was in that one talk about doing what nintendo don't 
<laughs> so it's Sonic R was like this terrible fucking racing game where you're like running on your feet as Sonic oh, from behind right. the back. But it like controlled like shit. I've played a lot of these like after the fact. Right. Because it was relatively easy to mod a sound and play fucking pirated games. Uh, I, um, I, I think I mentioned last week that I had a friend who was a, a Sega guy. Yeah. His family, they had like a, a Master System and a Mega Drive and all that stuff. And they stuck with Sega. Yeah. And they got a Saturn. And oh, I don't think they ever recovered. <laughs> like, I am. Finally, the Dreamcast is coming out. Sega's back. Ah! Yeah. But like I played, That's I think, Virtua Cop, and I reckon oh, yeah. I played some racing games. But again, these are arcade games. Virtua Cop was great. Yeah, I yeah. really liked it. We had the little gun. I fucking got one from somewhere. It was mm. cool. What's happened to the light gun game, by the way? I was Gone thinking away. this the Gone. other day. Because now you could just do it so easily with the most control, you know, most control schemes Completely. have that like gyro kind of thing the in problem them. is so the way that those light guns worked was it relied on it being a CRT TV oh right because ah, the way the okay. refresh rate on those worked it would draw line by line mm-hmm. and it would flash in one of the frames like a white square oh this is the way like the NES one did it but it was the same for a lot of them right it would flash it was a literal a physical interaction between what was behind the yeah. CRT screen and what was coming out of the gun, right? It kind of the the gun was just a sensor, mm. and the the TV would show up a little frame of where it thought you the enemies were, and it would detect. It. I'm not right. a fucking scientist. I work at Mister Goop's <laughs> chocolate <laughs> fucking factory. I can't <laughs> do this sort of Is technology. Is that Augustus? Gloop, Augustus yeah, Gloop, yeah. he he grad he he survives and he opens his own chocolate. Factory. He got sucked into the main mind of the factory and he oh, is the factory. Okay. That's yeah. where I work. No. Yeah, I no, Doctor Fuck Knuckles Jelly Lizard Ho- Shop, hometown uh, laboratory. Yeah, yeah. So, but the light gun games, yeah, were great during this era. Yeah, I was yeah. seeing the other day. I'd love a Time Crisis or Point, point blank. blank. Was yeah. a ripper. That was on the PlayStation. Maybe Both of those have ports yeah. on the PlayStation. So again, even though Virtua Cop is cool, the Saturn mm. still is behind in this genre. Mm-hmm. Did um, Time Crisis have the... I know it had in the arcade, but I can't remember if it came with this at home. The, um, the pedal. The pedal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to move out from cover. Yes. <laughs> I think some of the guns had pedals and some of them just had a button on the side. That yeah, would yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Pedal. Makes more yes. sense. Yeah. Uh, Sega Rally was like a good rally game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Panzer Dragoon is like a very fun... Um, rail shooter thing. They made a RPG of it, Panzer Dragon Saga, which I've never played. So there were some games that are like good. Tomb Raider fucking came out on it. Right. There's a whole bunch of things that are fun on it, but they're few and far between in the West at the very least. Mm. And they're not the type of game that is in vogue at the moment. So you can really see just yeah. based on the library of games alone what cause the Saturn to die. Because Sega have some cool properties around this time. So if mm. you're a Mega Drive head and you're upgrading to the Saturn, you know, you're probably thinking like, oh, cool, there'll be cool Sonic games. There'll mm. be like a cool like Altered Beast, like all these all these different properties that you probably were really excited for them to like transition into 3D or have a bit more graphical power behind. Yeah. And they just do nothing with it, with they any do, of like, yeah. Or like Shining Force, if you're into the Shining Force games. <laughs> sure. Which I'm willing to bet. Virtually no one is. <laughs> <laughs> so it, yeah, they, there's just not the library there. And then a lot of the good ones are also on the PlayStation and are better versions on the PlayStation. Well, so that's the thing, right? In in the marketplace at this time, there's no point of difference for Sega anymore. 
They used Not to really. be different to Nintendo significantly, stylistically. And they were the cool ones. They were the that. cool yeah. one, exactly. Nintendo was kind of dorky, and Sega was like the we got a badass hedgehog. He maybe swears if he could talk. Well, guess he says what? The R word. Now- <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not swearing now though. It's nineteen ninety three. Who gives it's, a shit? It's nineteen ninety five. And now we're into badass bandicoots. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. Sony just takes all of Sega's cachet and uh, one-ups them technologically. Yeah. Wipeout especially is like, at least in, in European uh, markets, maybe in yes. America as well, maybe in Japan. But uh, my experience is predominantly the Australian experience. <laughs> okay, the PAL. Yeah, the PAL yeah. region. Yes. Yeah, this is the PAL and NTSC bullshit fucking yep. days. Yep. Man. You know, PAL is worse. Yeah, anytime I is listen it really? to yes. yeah, anytime it runs I listen at a lower frame rates. rate. It's oh. got a worse resolution, even I believe, or maybe I th- the resolution is slightly higher. I thought we were better. No, no, no. <laughs> Pal is in no way better. Every time I listen to the Kane and Rinse podcast, and they talk about a game from their Brit- it's a British podcast. They mm. talk about a game from around this era. There's always ten minutes of fucking limey whinging <laughs> about how dodgy the PAL version was. And it, uh, it does make yeah. me thankful that I was young enough at the time where I didn't really, mm. I didn't know of any different. I was just like, this yeah. is just how things look. Like, yeah, yeah. PAL was at 50 hertz, so you'd have maximum frame rate of 50. Oh, but and NTSC usually it'd be 60? lower and NTSC is 60. Right. And I think PAL's resolution was like 576i or some bullshit fucking number right. that ex- made sense when it, TV was made of like magnet shooting lasers, <laughs> yes. but the the 480p or i or something was the NTSC. Anyway, games ran smoother in NTSC versions generally. Right, remember having era. yeah needing a getting a t getting a VCR that could play NTSC tapes, oh. but then needing a compatible TV. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it went Crazy. for so long. Remember fucking switching regions on DVD players. Yeah, yeah. yeah. man. Good thing we're a global community now. Mm. I love having. Everywhere in the world, always accessible to me at all times on Twitter and shit. It makes me feel so not anxious. <laughs> um, so the PS One though had a million fucking games. Yes, cool games at this time as well. Yep. For whatever, it, like Tekken was the fighter there, and there was like fucking Battle Arena Tashinden. Oh yeah, was a big early one, and they were cooler than Virtua Fighter. People saw them as more. Uh, of the moment, they mm. weren't the two D Street Fighter shit anymore. That was also coming out of Saturn. Um, they had things like Wipeout that their whole thing was this aesthetic, this very 90s clubby mm. lasers. Mm. Put your f- big fluffy pants on, yeah. <laughs> chuck the pacifier around your neck yes. exactly. and fire up the PSX. Yeah. It was, it's very ecstasy it is, era yeah. and they make games that plug into that. I, I, again, like aesthetically, that's a very, very strong one. And it's like a if you're not 20... If you are 14, you still feel cool and older playing that game. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to a Mario Kart, which is still a great game and good for kids and everyone because they were great. Yeah. Where's Sega coming in? They got nothing. Mm. Sega's got nothing like that. Nothing distinct about Sega anymore. So they fuck off. They're done by 1998. The Saturn is dead. Yep. um, And they start working on the next thing. But as the PlayStation sort of having this big rise, Nintendo... Are still putting shit out on the Super Nintendo, mm-hmm. which is old now, but they're like, the next one's coming, everyone. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah. Nintendo's coming out with the, they call it the Ultra 64 Whoa. at the time. Everyone's talking about the Ultra 64. Mm-hmm. It's a 64-bit console. So it's two PlayStations. Yeah. Mm. The PlayStation's only 32-bit. Yeah. So we're going to, yeah. do you, you want to strap two PlayStations together? 
Don't bother. The Ultra 64 is coming out. I yeah. remember these numbers meaning everything at the time. Like, even <laughs> yeah, around this yeah. time, like, so hypothesizing huge. with my friend, like, imagine what it's going to be like when they get to a 256. <laughs> yeah, imagine yeah. what it's going to look like. I, yeah. I think we're up to technically like 2048 bit if it doubles oh, yeah. every time. Keep, keep yeah. it going. It's so yeah, disappointing yeah. that they don't have the number on the end of like Cause the Switch 3000 or whatever <laughs> would be <laughs> so much better. Like, the PS2 was 128 bit. Right. I guess 128 and so and then 256 so then would, would be like the 360 yeah I suppose sure. and then 512 bit would be the current ones and so we're going would, into uh, 1024 bit okay Hell unless yeah. there was another I feel like there was a jump. come out in the yeah. generation like maybe the original Xbox is technically 256 bit I feel like it might have more than doubled in a few of the generations <laughs> I, I don't think it means fucking doubling. jack shit anymore <laughs> I don't even know what it meant back then I have no idea yeah. what these bits were about at uh, all no I can't even hazard a guess but Nintendo <laughs> thought they were so fucking important that they literally strapped it yeah. onto the end of the name of their company mm. and they're mm. like that's what we're calling the console mm. Nintendo 64 yeah. I guess they created that Right, like if yeah, they hadn't have made a big deal about that, it, it's, it was well, only in retrospect that I remember being aware of like, oh, so the Super Nintendo was sixteen. People were talking about it with the 3DO and shit, saying like, these are technically thirty-two bit. I feel like the graduation from eight bit to sixteen bit was mm. also talked about. I do remember that. Okay. This Never having owned a sixteen bit console, right? Is uh, yeah, I do this generation that. for whatever reason, people were like we're jumping. I guess because mm. 3D was coming along. Yes, there was stuff that you wanted to have some way of measuring the jumps that were happening here because the yeah. jump from the Super Nintendo to the Nintendo 64 or, or that, you know, generation is huge. Yeah. yeah. 3D at the time was fucking crazy. Yeah. I still remember, and I know you do, I think we've both told these stories of the first time we played Mario 64. Mm. But so the Nintendo 64 comes along in 95 in the in Japan, I think. 90 End of 95? 97. 97 here. here. Start of 97 here. So maybe 96 in Japan. End of 96. September 96 maybe? You've got it. Oh. September 29th, 96 in North America. So June 96 in Japan. But right. I do but in terms of the like the the bits, right. I do remember that really working. As a strategy mm. on, yeah. on me at least I do remember a lot of conversation of like Oh, so the PlayStation's 32 And then, then, then Nintendo have a 64-bit one yeah. right. Like, wow, they're just gonna They're just not even gonna bother fucking around with 32 <laughs> They're just leapfrogging straight over Yeah And then because they're using cartridges Yeah The, the difference and in I th- quality is like ba- ba- Just to look at a screenshot, basically the same And in many yeah. ways Less or so because you can't store the same kind of things. There's on a certain effects, like graphical effects, that can't do. Yeah. I think also because Nintendo are a little bit more restricted in terms of development, right? Like the you can't just open it up like yeah. a PlayStation and be like, "All right, fuck around with all of this tech." They're a bit more controlled. They was there was like most Nintendo sixty four games, like the way that the hardware did it, put like this blur on it, like this anti aliasing effect. Mm. Um, that that's why they look so. Blurry. Well, they took in this in this uh, Final Fantasy. There were differences in this Final Fantasy book. They talk about one of the developers talks about eventually seeing Ocarina of Time Mm -hmm. and being very impressed with it, and and sort of thinking like, oh right, okay. Well, I guess we we kind of could have done for you know they've done this right. Like we probably could have done Final Fantasy VII on it, which they fit. But they were just like, 
well, we weren't tapped into like that's no. their developers using yeah, their hardware, so yeah. they were tapped into it in a way which we didn't have access to. So we just didn't know that that was an option. And it's like for the most part, Nintendo and Rare who mm. are able to do that with this machine, and like it has bigger areas than the PlayStation because there's like more RAM on, it and you're gonna find a little expansion thing. Mm. But they're pretty similar looking. Yeah, there's not a huge amount of di- the there's uh, vibe of their graphics are very different because of the individual ways that those things process those graphics you have like i remember looking this up at some point i'm gonna butcher it if i try to explain the technical stuff but let's give it a go <laughs> right <laughs> i've got Get my big meat flavor <laughs> <laughs> oh i love what you need five pounds of fucking up this description please <laughs> oh we've only got terribly fucking up this description in today without do a right. little bit of fat on it yeah um <laughs> The PlayStation had issues with its Z buffer, which is yes. what the is telling the computer where in depth each thing is occurring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So that's why the graphics look all wobbly because the whole time it's like, I think it's fucking here, sure, but I don't know. Right. It might be over here. Should I jump it over there immediately? Yeah, let's do it. Right. And so that's why they looked all wobbly. The Nintendo 64 didn't have that, but also had this like, Blur and anti-aliasing stuff that made it look all kind of muddy and blurry and smudgy. Right. So, so weirdly, they, it was like actually more precise in where things were. They just looked worse. They looked kind of fuzzier, yeah. and the PlayStation kind of looked crisper, mm. and then could do those pre-rendered 3D backgrounds a lot more easily because it had more space. The 64 was like technically capable of doing it. Resident Evil 2 came out on it mm. and has those pre-rendered backgrounds, right? Because the people who ported that were very good at compression stuff and were able to fit it into a cartridge right so yeah there's a lot of technical differences between the 64 and the playstation that lead to some pretty different games coming out on the both like gran turismo on the playstation is this massive game with all this content yeah mm. there's heaps of music on it realism it's, was a real focus of a lot of those playstation games as well yeah it was and like an take early the game disc out and chuck an audio cd in there yes. and then being able to listen to that music in the game weirdly yes. the playstation is still considered a very very good cd player by like audio files right. the ones that have like the actual um like composite outputs on the back oh right those are apparently what some of the best cd players that have ever been made Interesting. i still have my original playstation i might have to test With the it little out. things on the back i think so yeah now, i think they fetch a pretty penny these days hello um, I don't know what the difference is personally between different CD players. I thought yeah. the whole point of them is that they're digital and it doesn't exist. Yeah. Whatever. Apparently they're crisper in some way. Yeah, right. As someone who owned a Nintendo 64 at the time and not a PlayStation, the big thing I remember being very jealous of was the uh, the cutscenes. Like seeing, right. seeing cutscenes on mention. TV yeah. in demo units and just like you... you the 64 would do these kind of like cheated, you know, Banjo-Kazooie opens with that little movie, but that's just using... It's all in-game. That's rendered. all in-game right. engine kind of that they've sort of cheated. Like seeing the seeing the actual like... Full yes, motion video. Full motion mm. video stuff just made it look light years ahead of its time. But then I remember the big thing from the Nintendo camp, them being very cocky about like none of our games have loading times. That's the thing right. that we, we've sacrificed. Sure, you can't have FMV, but you put the, you put the cartridge in, you're not waiting for the fucking game to load. And that, that being a big thing of just like... Yeah, yeah. It, it was, it's crazy how technically different they were because then games would get ported onto both and mm. be quite different on both or, you know, be a struggle to make and everything. So that those differences as well led... So the other big difference with the 64 too when that came out was that it had the analog stick 
Yes. In mm. the controller. People make fun of that controller for having three prongs. I mean, like, I don't have three hands. Like, can't, you only need two. Yeah, yeah. you move your hand. They've made the it specific. <laughs> what's wrong with it anyway? <laughs> the it was cool. It was a point of difference. Like, it, everything yeah. about it, it's like got this weird name, mm. you know, where you're, you're putting the number of bits in the title of it. The controller is kind of this bizarre looking thing. Like, it looked fucking futuristic exactly. at the time, though. Yeah. Right. It looked yeah. so cool at the time. And it had all the different colors for them. Mm-hmm. They were they they looked more fun. And then that stick yeah. was really cool because 3D games on the PlayStation up until that point they still weren't really figuring out how to make them control well. No, well you weren't actually controlling in 3D. It was still just forwards, little, backwards, left and right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So the 64 coming out of the gate with Mario 64 on it as well, being like, not only have we put this stick on here, but here's exactly how to use it because we've made a game that has perfect 3D movement. Right. Yeah. Uh, it was such it was an crazy. exciting time to be into games as all this mm. stuff is coming out and there's this huge leap from these sprite graphics into like feeling like you were like a little kid but on the forefront of like this technology, like yeah. stuff stuff looking like the future. And because they had those technical differences, there were different genres of game that were big on both. Yeah. Yes, so, like, I was going to mention that whether because the, there are distinct aesthetics, like really distinct, and it's mm. kind of across the board. Nintendo, obviously, it's because they're the main developer for their own consoles, almost, mm. you know, on every console they've ever released. But Sony somehow managed to maybe encourage, maybe there's a style guide, there's some sort of discussion right. that's had with each of the developers, like these are meant to look kind of realistic and cool. There's also just a fuckload of games on it. Yeah, it has such an enormous library of stuff that there's a bunch of bullshit on there that no one remembers, like Barbie's fucking horse, whatever. Yeah, Barbie's Dream Palace horse town. Very quick. But <laughs> the- well, so PlayStation is like the the console of my life. It's yeah. the one that I really got into gaming with. I got a subscription to PlayStation magazine. I got every demo disc on those magazines, which means Hell I yeah. sampled 500 PlayStation right, games. Right, Those demo discs were so fucking cool. Oh, so cool. Playing like, I'd never play fucking Roll Cage. <laughs> yes. When am I ever going to buy G Police? <laughs> but here I, I am. I get to try out Carmageddon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's another big Twisted one I was Metal jealous 4, of. Twisted Metal 4, eh? <laughs> yes. That's another big one from the time I was jealous of, the demo yeah. discs. Oh, yeah. fucking cool, no, yeah. yeah. The, the price of producing a... Cartridge was so high. Yeah. I always thought, I, yeah, I always wished that they, even though it was like obvious why they didn't, but I'm like, just wish some magazine would have a crack. Oh. Chuck us a demo cartridge. Who yeah. cares if it means that the magazine costs seventy dollars? <laughs> I remember people God. talking about like, because this was the time when you could, oh, mate, towards the end of the '64's lifespan, where you could bring like a camera, a digital camera memory card into a, a chemist's. Print out photos there yep. from that. Think like, why don't they have a thing where you can jam a cartridge in there? It'll upload that month's demos, and you take the cartridge out, ah. take it home. Because they gave me a fucking Mew in a shopping center That's with like right. a Pokemon event. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, they that. could do this for everything. Yeah, yeah. But um, not relevant anymore. The but yes, they were very, very uh, different platformers and like first-person shooters were big yep. on the sixty-four. Yep. And I mi- I think I've talked about this. I miss that era of. That type of control of first-person shooter. It was really cool. Goldeneye and Perfect Dark. Yeah, yeah, and like yeah. The also rans like Turok and fucking whatever on the 64 was so fucking cool. Perfect Dark, 20 years old this week. I think oh, I saw a few shit. things pop up of that. Yeah. Happy birthday. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a person. <laughs> it's so embarrassing that I just wished happy birthday to a video game. <laughs> Next time I'm washing my hands, I'm going to think back to that one. 
because I didn't sing a happy birthday song because of coronavirus. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Thanks, mate. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. But then the PlayStation, yeah, had this enormous library with a whole bunch of different things. There were all these racing and all these, every different type of game that you could wish for was Completely. on Completely, yeah. Uh, and it was fucking cool. It didn't have the big, big hitters like the 64 did, I don't think. No, I was going to say before, we, uh, the sort of two comparison games for those two platforms, one is probably Mario 64 yeah. for the Nintendo and then I think Final Fantasy VII is probably the closest analog for PlayStation. At the time, I remember people comparing Final Fantasy VII to Ocarina of Time. And right. those games were like sort of in direct combat in the magazines and stuff with people going like, Final Fantasy VII is a better JRPG because they were calling Zelda an RPG at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, yeah. There was not, no there's RPG not th- equivalent like that on the 64 at all. And no. there's, But there's also not a... 3D platformer equivalent for PlayStation, really? No, because you've got your Crash Bandicoots and your Spyros and all of that sort of thing that come along in the PlayStation. And they're good. They're good games. And the remastered ones that have come out recently, people might have played and will know like, oh yeah, these hold up as good platformers, but they're not quite on the same level no. as Mario. Mario 64 and Banjo-Kazooie and a whole bunch of other ones. That's true. There's more than just one. Right. Yeah. Everything that Rare and Nintendo put out during the 64, pretty much across the board was a big fucking hit. Mm. Yeah. And the, the highs of those were generally higher peaks than the PlayStation seemed to manage, mm-hmm. is my memory of it at the time. There weren't as many like fucking hell, this game's amazing games on the PlayStation to me at the time. Yeah, we talked about this a bit when the PS Classic was announced with the library of games that was on it where there just weren't those like massive exclusives. There was stuff like Metal Gear Solid, I remember, but then that came out on the PC as well. Yeah. There were a whole bunch of games like that where they were huge and the PlayStation was like the primary platform for them. I think that's the issue with my memories of this time is like I had a PlayStation, Mm. so... Tekken, was Tekken maybe exclusive? Oh, it was an arcade game. Yeah. Mm. And then they all sort of came out on other stuff in the future as well. So looking back on it, it's hard to sort of uh, put yourself back in that place. Well, that's the issue with like using the PlayStation Classic as a reference point. You're right. There's not a bunch of exclusive exclusive franchises for it because the ones that were on the PlayStation went on to become so hugely successful that they just went multi-platform. Yeah, yeah. 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 But Metal Gear Solid was a huge one. And again... It sort of fits into that aesthetic, that PlayStation aesthetic of like serious, cool, semi-realistic, yeah. long role-playing game sort of games. Yeah, it's it is funny in retrospect to look at Metal Gear Solid and go serious and cool. I, I know, <laughs> but it was it was it was like watching yeah. a, a cool James Bond movie. It was like the most cinematic game that had been made up until mm. that point. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, I guess for the demographic that we were in at the time as well, the 64, like stuff like Mario and Banjo-Kazooie and whatever mm. was more appealing because we weren't quite old enough, or I wasn't at least, to be in that take some ecstasy and play the PlayStation mm. uh, generation. Mm. Yeah, and also, you know, being a kid at the time too, like it was a big deal for your parents to get you a console for the house. Mm. And there really was this thing of like, you, you had to, you picked, you picked early mm. on and it was like, well, you know, I liked the Super Nintendo, I traded it in for the Mega Drive and I kind of regretted it. All right, I'm going to go with the 64. And then even seeing stuff that looked cool on the PlayStation, yeah. it just kind of wasn't an option where like, you know, now you get a bit older and you've got maybe more disposable income. You can go, you know what, I'd have a good time with an Xbox. I'm just going to buy an X. There's yeah, one on yeah. sale on Amazon. Fuck it, I'm just going to buy one now. It, you really did have to like... You were in a camp, like you were. Yeah. You were picked, and you and for better or worse, you just had to like 
stick it out. And, you know, mm. it's funny to like then get on and read about, you know, how the 64 was selling versus the PlayStation because like at the time it just seemed like heaps of great games are coming out on this thing that I'm loving playing. You, you know, you're not so much aware of like the actual sales figures or whatever. It's just sure. like reading in magazines – Oh, wow, the official Nintendo magazine has given this Nintendo-published game a 10 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, They've yeah. done it again. Perfect Dark got 101%. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's better than perfect. <laughs> Um, and that's true. Yeah. That's in. That's on print. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. can't print that if it's, yeah. tr- it's not true. I don't know what the term lamestream media means yet. <laughs> I'll believe this. Um, there, there's no YouTube essays fucking yes. tearing down. Oh, right. oh. I guess anyway, I could sorry. get Hyper Magazine if I want a more balanced opinion, mm, but yeah. I don't have the money to spend on two-thirds worth of, you know, Reviews and previews of games for consoles that I don't own. And where's yeah. the demo disc? It's yeah, exactly. not on yeah. there. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I think you didn't give a shit about it, but the, yeah. the the reason we had a PlayStation was because not you know I wasn't a, a ecstasy taking you know eighteen year old, but my dad was the person with the purchasing power in the family, and he was the one who was going to be like, <laughs> yeah, it's worth spending honey, money on a video we're games skipping, console. We're skipping our ecstasy this month, honey. <laughs> we're buying the kids a PlayStation. Mm. But he he was also a gamer, and right. he was never going to buy a Nintendo sixty four. He, I think, like a lot of people, had the attitude that they were for kids, and he saw the PlayStation as the PlayStation 2 and 3 were later advertised as being a piece of technology for the home theatre system. A multimedia entertainment centre. Totally, yeah. and he yeah. would have been probably actually tapped into whether or not they were a good CD player. He loves music. At the time, CD players were still expensive. It was a selling point. DVD yeah. players for the PS2, huge. Blu-ray mm. for PS3, massive. Yeah. PS4 came out. So there's <laughs> no reason for someone mm. over a certain age to be more into the 64. Mm. It had GoldenEye and it had whatever. It had the four controller ports, which was cool. Mm. But in terms of just like you going to a shop and picking one up, yeah, the PlayStation fucking nailed it during this whole generation. Yeah. Um, also during this generation, I guess, there's a Game Boy Color mm-hmm. that comes out. Yeah, it's a Game Boy, but it's Color. Whoa. <laughs> It comes out right around the time Pokemon is like this enormous fucking thing. Yes. The, the, everyone's got their little Game Boy pockets yep. by this point. But then Pokemon smashes the world apart. And um, it, yeah, Game Boys are selling through the roof. Mm. I remember, this. yeah, the upgrade to Game Boy Color looked, it looked incredible. Yeah, it was cool. Just being able to have not even that many colors on the screen at once. but And it was like a slight improvement to how graphically powerful it was as well. It wasn't just color, it was like a little bit better. Right. Oh yeah, because you could, you could you could play original Game Boy games on a Game Boy Color, but yeah. you couldn't then, you couldn't were, just put a Game Boy Color game into a Game Boy and play it in black and white. There were some that were oh, both yeah. that had like the black cartridge. Where oh, yeah. if you put in an original Game Boy, it work. If you put in a Game Boy Color, it'd have color. Right. And then there were ones in like a clear cartridge That's that were right. only Game Boy Color. Mm. I think maybe Warrior Land 3 was the first one I remember being like Sounds a big, right. like, this is a Game Boy Color exclusive. Yeah. The like second Pokemon games, there were those Zelda games that Capcom made. Yep. That were in those. So there are a few of them. The, the first generation of Pokemon games were made for the normal Game Boy, right? Yes. And you got a. Because I think that's when I got a Game Boy, was the color. But it was for Pokemon. That that was right. the thing that everyone was interested mm. in. Yeah, I think and like I, yeah. Red and Blue came out in like '96 in Japan or something, and then like '98 over here. Right, and, and so they huge. just got like a slight 
tint, I feel like. Like they didn't they weren't converted to color, but I no. do feel like there was some sort of maybe it was that just graphical upgrade. I think with all of them you could similar to what we talked about with the Super Game Boy on the Super Nintendo, you could like a, you could assign Oh, you could have yeah. backgrounds like a vague. and sprites would have different colors on the same palette and you can choose a palette. Yeah, and right. And then some games, I think Pokémon would have been one of them had these sort of pre-programmed custom palettes right. that would come out and so it would upgrade a little bit. Yeah. Um I don't have heaps to say about that. It kept Nintendo fucking going while the Nintendo 64 was doing okay right. mm. for them. But the Game Boy was enormous and yep. was for the entire... Late. There was no competitor to it, really. Yeah, there yeah. There was like the Neo Geo Pocket Color. Mm. Remember that? No? No. Exactly. <laughs> the Neo Geo is something we haven't talked about, but that was a fucking massively expensive console with hugely expensive games. Yeah, It was right. an arcade machine, basically, for your house. No one owned it. It was only for, like, fucking Richie Rich. So uh, the Atari Lynx... Came and went in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, yeah. They were all fucked off by like the mid 90s. And then, pretty yeah, much. It's, it's, it is, uh, if you want a handheld console, quote unquote, it was a Game Boy. Totally. Yeah. Which is nuts to think about. It's still kind of the case, though. There's no, there, there is no yeah. longer anything other than the Switch, which is a handheld thing other than phones. Yeah. Which yes. is this huge other thing that we'll get to at some point down the track. Yeah, yeah. But so, yeah, Nintendo was doing big with the, with the Game Boy. Pokemon was the biggest fucking thing in the world. I had a bunch of Pokemon cards. Yes. I think they're still in a box somewhere in some house. I Hell gave yeah. mine away to a family friend, all yeah. of them, and I had a lot. They're worth money still. Yeah. I've always yeah. thought about digging them out and fucking packing them up and sending them off to someone. You should. Yeah. Or just have them. No, Look I, at them. I don't, I don't <laughs> play them, them anymore. They're done. <laughs> so then I remember getting a, um, an, a copy of Electronic Gaming Monthly. It must. This must have been... End of 98, maybe? Sure. With new redesigned Sonic on the cover. And it was this whole cover story in advance of the Dreamcast coming out about Mm. Sega's big attempt at getting themselves back on track and redesigning Sonic and giving him green eyes was seen as a big part of this to compete with the coolness of PlayStation or whatever, what? I guess. He, he had like some folded arms and he looked a bit funky. Yeah. He was, I mean, that was always different. His, thing, his kind of proportions, they took him from being kind of like squat and sort right. of stretched him out a bit. He went from early 90s to late 90s attitude. It was a, it right. was a di- small difference, but there was a difference there. Okay. And people in general were talking about like the next generation. By right. this point, they kind of tried to make him look like those kind of weird um, Looney Tunes t-shirts. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, Bugs yeah. Bunny's dressed like a gangster and going "suck my dick." Yeah. Exactly right. <laughs> yes. WWF is in its attitude yeah. era, yeah. and mm-hmm. kids want you to tell them to suck your dick. <laughs> That's what all the te- early teens are into <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> That's so weird that yeah. that actually was like a cultural moment with all these children watching South Park and shit yes. going like, hey, suck my dick. <laughs> you're like, you're 11. Yeah. I don't know if I even could. Yeah. It, like, even it's, if I had to, yeah. gun to my head. It went from eat my shorts to take my shorts off and suck my <laughs> yeah. dick. Yeah. I'm no longer wearing shorts. <laughs> yes. I know. The shorts are out of the picture, man. I'm wearing satin boxer shorts that say suck my dick on them. <laughs> I know what will show my teacher who's boss, demanding that they commit <laughs> pedophilia on me. 
<laughs> Got him. <laughs> uh, oh, man, everything did get worse, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. It has been a downhill trajectory for yeah. years and years. Because yeah. now that I'm old enough to start thinking like, Sucking fuck, are the kids, kids all dicks. right at this point? Yeah, no, yeah. I'm just seeing someone fucking turn 18 and it's like, I'm on OnlyFans. I'm like, oh, boy, yeah, you're not yeah. even saying suck my dick anymore. You're just flat out showing it to me. Yeah, no, yeah. but that's the equivalent of, of back in the day. That's what I, our parents must have exactly. thought. Exactly. I'm saying yeah, I'm yeah. going through that phenomenon now right, right, where right. I'm thinking, Jesus, the next generation's coming up different to me. Yep. Anyway, so, so I you're never ate an ass until I was... <laughs> <laughs> you're saying subscribe to my OnlyFans is the modern equivalent of the phrase suck my dick. Yeah. Close enough. That's what yeah, it's, it's morphed into. Right. It is yeah. generally said as a derisive fuck you on, online at least. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot yeah. of the time it's... Venmo me five bucks and f- shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so fun! I j- I remember being in year four, and there was this kid Evan who I thought was so fucking cool because mm-hmm. he was a badass. Yeah. But thinking back to that, how old are you in year four? You're fucking ten. Yeah. You're nine years old, mm-hmm. and his whole thing was telling teachers like, "Look at my asshole, teach." Uh. <laughs> And at the time being like, what the fuck? I remember one of the teachers getting so mad at him that he picked up the chair he was sitting on and took him out of the classroom. (laughs) That's pretty awesome. I was like, wow, that kid's dope. But now thinking back, smoked. He was nine years old and he smoked. (laughs) Wow. That kid had enormous problems. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Hey, suck my dick, teach. (laughs) (laughs) Tiny little Al Capone sitting in a... That's so weird, shitting himself. Uh. The... The so anyway, the next gen is getting talked about. That phrase next gen and the whole next generation thing. So yeah, I read this big, big I read this vivid memory of being on a flight somewhere with my family and reading this big article. You get to the centerfold, it's sonic naked yeah. in a bikini. It there actually was a pull-out poster <laughs> of this new redesigns. It was a nice. big thing of like it, this is what Sonic Adventure mm. is and making the leap and it it seemed Cool. I was into it. I wanted a Dreamcast. Like because Sega was the first again. Sega out of the was game. the yes. first. The, ga- the, g- the graphics on this thing looked amazing. People, Even better FMV. Like mm, people were talking about. They knew that it was going to be the PlayStation Two at some point. They knew there was going to be. It was called the Star Cube. I believe is what people were calling the GameCube before it the came Dolphin. out. Dolphin. Oh, was that the, the dolphin? dolphin? Wasn't was the dolphin the, the Wii? Oh, no, that, no, that right. was the revolution. Yeah, no, the, yeah, the yeah, dolphin yeah. was the Wii. I don't know if was dolphin out there. I, uh, at some point, they definitely because there were renders of dolphins. I yeah, remember. it was okay, a code right. name at some point. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and we're early on at this point, and then there's people, there's whispers of an X hyphen box. Or it yeah, was right. like the DirectX box. It was called. Ah, uh, yes. DirectX was like their PC thing, and we'll talk about PC in a minute. But um, it could have been the OpenGL box, man. <laughs> uh, the Vulcan box. Oh, there's hype about a next generation at this point. What, though. What's the sentiment about Sega at this point? Because I don't really remember anything S- about Sega. Huge flop with the Saturn, but, but, but still not, a big name. They're yeah, still okay. a console manufacturer. They make consoles. Yeah, they yeah. have the clout. It looks like they're finally. They're gonna make the 3D Sonic game that people want. There's that. There's this footage of you know him running down the pier with the like the whale orca, yeah. chasing yeah. after him. That's like the pier's yeah. being destroyed. It all looks pretty cool. I remember being into it. It had the controller that had the little open bit in it where you could plug in the what was the it called? VMU, your the, virtual yeah. memory unit or oh. visual memory unit, virtual. But it was like a little Tamagotchi looking fucking thing, right? Where it had a D pad and two buttons on it and a little LCD screen. Oh. Oh, yeah, you plug okay, it into yes. your controller and then it'll show like Sonic's face while you're playing Sonic and you're like, dude, this looks like shit. This is distracting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but then you could, there was a thing in this Sonic. It would beep so loudly because it was always out of battery. It would go beep <laughs> to let you know. It swore as soon as you know. 
There was a thing in Sonic Adventure where you could like get little these little um, chows, yeah, oh. little and upload it onto the VMU thing, mm. and then it would function kind of like a Tamagotchi. Right, Tamagotchis were enormous yeah. at this time. Yeah, thinking all yeah. this stuff like the potential for what you could do. I think that was talked about like you could put game data onto it, and then you could kind of there would be ways that you could interact with it away from the game and come up with little plans on it and then put it back into the controller to use it. The potential yeah. for it seemed cool. It seemed like an interesting thing. Yeah, definitely. I just had this memory then because of Tamagotchis. When I was a kid, I had a Tamagotchi. Mm-hmm. And at school, they had this thing where they they were telling us to write about something we cared about for some reason. It was sure. like a writing exercise and you had to write about something that affected you mm-hmm. emotionally or whatever. Weird fucking thing to make a kid do, but we're telling the teachers to suck our dicks all day. They're probably sick <laughs> of us. They're, they're probably like, just explain, please, why you're acting this way. <laughs> yeah. But it was some writing exercise, write about something that meant something to you or something you care about. And uh, I had recent, I maybe that morning or very recently, dropped this Tamagotchi and <gasps> smashed it. It was broken. Ooh. So I wrote out this thing about how that had made me feel. Oh. And so I'd, I sat down and I penned this paper yes. on how my Tamagotchi dying had made me feel. And I was amping it up a little bit, I think. Okay. In the in the piece of paper, <laughs> in the in the little bit of writing here, in the essay, yeah. So uh, t- uh, t- I remember towards the end of what I'd written. Uh, it was my Tamagotchi broke and I felt like crying so I did that was the last sentence okay now this is the late 90s Mm. and I'm at a school where people are being carried out of the room on their chairs for telling (laughs) teachers to suck their dick right I don't know if everyone's gonna be but I think I'm just writing this fucking thing they don't read out my fucking maths homework no one's gonna read this out yeah the teacher gets up the front oh no and starts to read hasn't pre-read any of these doesn't know what the content is Ooh. just begins reading them oh my god so Jesus I remember the teacher his name was Rod I went to a school where he called the teachers by their first name it was mm-hmm. fucked mm-hmm. it didn't help anybody it made me worse the <laughs> the he read through it and got towards the end the last sentence being and I felt like crying so I did yes he hadn't pre-read he, <laughs> he said my, my Tamagotchi broke so I felt like crying so I did and then he folded it up. He was like, very good. <laughs> Put it back on my wow. table. But everyone had inferred already what I was oh, about to say. So good on I, him for trying at least to, to cover it up. Yeah, but bad on him for even thinking, yeah. hey, kids, write about your trauma and I'll read it out. Yeah. Maybe it was like some way to dig up dirt on people's family. But anyway, yeah. I, I got bullied for be- caring about my Tamagotchi <laughs> for a while after that. Oh, no. Poor Adam. Yeah. A shuttle over the floor <laughs> just so that people would have to clean up for me. Like anyway, sorry. Yeah, the Tamagotchi was big in these VMUs. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the Dreamcast, yeah, it looked cool. I remember hiring one a couple of times. Right. Crazy Taxi was a super fun game. But yep. again, Arcade-y. it's an arcade game. Yeah. Mm. And 18 Wheeler Pro Trucker. The, the, the Dreamcast looked amazing at the time. It though. did. It really did. It was a huge leap and it was the... the it, being first out of the gate made a big impression mm. because you hadn't even really seen screenshots of what PS2 games look like. There were some floating around. It was like renders of like, yeah, this is the emotion engine and this is what fucking this Tekken guy is going to look like soon. Yeah, But you didn't really know what that next generation was going to look like. So the Dreamcast was a big, huge, uh, stunning and again, they, the they launch with Sonic Adventure. Yeah. So people now, there's like precedent of a, cons- a 3D console launching with a mascot. Yeah. And it kind of like. And the game was well the received way. at the time. It was a, it's a was terrible it? game. Do you want to hear a quote okay. from, uh, this is fantastic. IGN 
have uh, the definitive Dreamcast launch game guide. Okay. An article written in 1999. Wow. It came out on the 9th of the 9th, 99 in America. Yeah. Oh, um, they say the bottom line is that Sonic Adventure is a great game, but yeah. it is just too far from perfection to be considered a must-have title for the casual gamer. A lot of people really liked Sonic Adventure at the time, but it is a terrible game now. It mm. controls like shit and it fucking sucks. I, I do remember, I remember hiring it and I remember being, yeah, that, that opening sequence, great. Yeah. And then getting into it and being like, ah, what? You, and they yeah. just, mm. they you saw through it. Straight out the gate, they just don't quite pull it off, especially no. when it's coming out in the shadow of this. Launch title for the Nintendo 64 that is just yeah. like immediately beloved, and everyone goes, "This has this is the blueprint for yeah. what a platformer in 3D is. This is it. They've worked it out. Yeah, and that then yeah. everything copies that format of overworld levels within that collecting collectathon, like stuff scattered around the world. They tr- Sonic Adventure tries to be this like quite. It's quite linear, isn't it? It's like going from area to area and like multiple characters. Like yeah, and it there's a lot of ambition like to it, but they just don't. And then that this is the dawn of all these weird new characters coming into Sonic, right. where they've got a big cat and a robot. And right, the big cat was named Big the Cat. By the way. <laughs> wow, how yeah. did they come up with that? Yeah, it wasn't very good. But then they do put out some good stuff on the Dreamcast. Jet Set Radio was fucking awesome. I loved yep. that game at the time. Um, Shenmue was a big deal. Oh yeah, like a, it was that type of thing where you're like, they couldn't have made this on the old one. I was going to say a few like pretty ambitious sounding games. Yeah, like maybe some of them were misses, but at least they were well going something, going for something very impressive. It also like it didn't have that many of those type of exclusive things to it though. It did have the benefit of having the uh, best versions of a lot of ports. Right. So like Tony Hawk 2 and and like Legacy of Kane Soul Reaver. Yeah, I remember that. But those are games that have been out for a couple of years already yes. and if you wanted to play them, you've played them on a PlayStation exactly. or a 64. Having the best fucking version of Rayman 2 or whatever when it's two years old doesn't really matter that it's much. It's not selling yeah. consoles. No. Yeah. yeah. they And again, they, they do still have a lot of these properties and these games on there that even to this day, they frustratingly just don't seem to be yeah. interested in doing anything right. with. Like a, a new a new crazy taxi that's got a bit more depth to it, incredible. People are always crying out for a new jet set radio or the like enhanced port and they just don't do anything with it. No, a lot of those are because they lost the goodwill with some bad sequels to them though. Jet Set yeah. Radio Future was right. great, but they made like a crazy taxi three that wasn't good. Right. They did fall off maybe even as a developer, mm. you know, because what was the last Sega made? This is Sega making this game game that you can recall to mind. Well, yeah, they of course, Sonic famously, they've never been yeah. able to make a good yeah. one until they got someone else to make it. The Sonic Mania was really fun. I think right. the, the Yakuza games are a lot of like sort of Sega people, but there's not that many Sega, this is Sega developed games anymore that I can call to mind immediately. Yeah, uh, yeah I think you're right. They published a bunch of great games. I think, did they publish um, Persona? No, that's um, Atlas. Atlas. Oh, yes, you're right. There's some, there is something that I must they have They published played. like Total War and they published like Alien Isolation, like weird things. They're kind of like a publisher now. Yeah, A lot yeah. more than developing anything themselves. But maybe maybe the Yakuza franchise is the one I'm thinking of. Which, so the Dreamcast, yeah. similar to the Saturn, has it, it's got better ports and it's good graphically now. But then when the PS2 comes along, mm. the PS2 again completely beats it out of the water in that respect as yeah. well. So they've lo- even though they had the head start... It's only served them for so long. 
and in a market where people already have a console that they've bought not that long ago, mm. they've only been out for like four years and people probably bought them more recently than that. Completely. Mm. I don't think we've got the PlayStation at launch. I think we got no. it a couple of years in and then had it for years and years. And They're all a lot cheaper now. All yeah, those consoles yeah. have dropped their price. Yeah. There are these imminent new ones like the PS2 coming out that has a huge amount of hype around it. Yeah. And the, again, Sega can't stack up with their library of games that they have or even when they do have good games, the style of those games, again, is a lot of ports of arcade fighting games and shit like that that yeah. people aren't that interested in. So it, again, blows up. And this is when Sega... Very quickly, they make this decision too, apparently, at the time. I don't really, really remember it, to be honest. But it was very rapid where they were like, oh, we're done. So they sold half a million Dreamcasts in the first few weeks. Right. And then it drops off. It was very hyped up at the time. And yeah. People were super into it and saying, like, here's the next generation, it's here. I remember having a fucking Guinness Book of World Records that for some reason had a world record for the Sega Dreamcast being the most advanced video game console. Oh, right. Clearly paid content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I guess that's yeah. like the first few weeks is the usses of the late night, like the 30-something-year-olds yeah. who've got disposable income and are like, I want to see what this is like. My British cousins had one. That's right, where I played right. a Dreamcast was that they, this is different cousins to the Atari cousins from before. They, they, they had Shenmue and Jet Set Radio and all these big things, but a lot of it was <laughs> this. Adam, we're getting the car. We're going around to your cousin's house. The Dreamcast cousins or the Atari cousins? Uh, at this point, they both suck. Why can't <laughs> yeah. we be related to some Nintendo or PlayStation cousins? <laughs> yeah, I do have weird cousins. I've never <laughs> occurred to me before. <laughs> But a lot of their interest in it was like, look at how good this looks. Yeah, yeah. And it was this kind of showpiece thing. But then, yeah, we'll talk about it more next episode, but the PS2 comes along, murders this thing because it's got a DVD player in it. It's got better games in launch. It looks better. Everything across the board is kind of better with this thing and they aggressively market it against the Dreamcast. I really like the, the, the overall vibe and the aesthetic of the Dreamcast. Sure. I like the name. I like how the control looked. I like the logo. Even though, was it here where the logo was blue instead of red? Yes. Yeah, it was yeah. definitely blue here. And I yeah. think the swell goes in the other direction in some regions or something. I don't know why they fuck with it like that. Because the, to- that was the toilet. Of, it was yeah. North Hemisphere, South Hemisphere. Ah, <laughs> rotates the opposite way. Of course. <laughs> it went down the toilet. And then when you turned it on, it had like this bling, 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 bling. Like this really yeah. oh, cool yeah. little intro. Man, I miss I just console really liked intros. all the stuff about it. Like the, the place that we haven't even brought that up, that the PlayStation had the best fucking that turn on the console scene. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're wow. like, tingle, 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 tingle. Yeah. Just this fucking turning on this jet engine. It was oh. so cool. But like a future yeah. hovering jet. The real like Dolby. Stuff. Remember the thing yes. before movies? The like THX. The, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah it was cool. Yeah. But so yeah, the Dreamcast comes and goes in a similar way to the Saturn, fucking dies and Sega gets out of the hardware business in- completely. Insane that it was... That much of a flop, yeah. So Two quickly. flops in a row. That Two it, years that it sunk yeah. them as a console. I remember us talking on the beginning of this pod about when the um, Switch was being rumored and mm. Nintendo really on the ropes, and it really looking like this could be another Sega. Yeah, where it just yeah. fucks them. How crazy is that to think about now? Yeah, yeah. damn. But uh, yeah, we we close out the nineties with the death of Sega as a console manufacturer. Yeah. In the meantime, while all of this has been happening, <laughs> yep. PCs still exist. Yeah. And they make leaps and fucking bounds and strides and jumps yep. during this era. This is like the coolest, 
one of the coolest PC game times. It is. The whole 90s was fucking awesome yeah. for PC games in but retrospect. I think, yeah, first half of the 90s, it's a different sort of platform and it's not being so directly compared to the consoles because they are innovating. The consoles yeah. are innovating and so are the PCs. But I think At the uh, time, though, when the PS1 came out, that was a bound ahead of what PCs were really doing at the time. Right. You still had your four, eight, sixes and whatever yeah, that were like running Doom true. and shit, but the PS1, the 3D that it could do, was kind of ahead of what 3D what PCs were capable of in terms of 3D. Yeah, so what are the what are the big PC games of the the second half of the 90s? So, well early so around like 95 you get 3D graphics cards start coming out. Yeah, and right. And it's like a huge mess in terms of different manufacturers making different types of things. 3D FX I think was the big one. Oh yeah. But there's all sorts of different ones that end up making games look different having different settings. It's kind of a mess but doesn't really matter anymore but uh in like 96 i reckon fucking quake comes out right which is the biggest thing uh it's a very good game <laughs> shooting like first person shooters on the yep. pc in the late 90s are amazing because well, like your team deathmatch and all of that stuff gets exactly yeah. so this is where online games start kicking off because fucking half-life comes out in the mm. late 90s so counter-strike does in like 99 oh yeah as well you got quake Two and three, Unreal and Unreal Tournament come yes. out. Uh, you got your Starcrafts, yes, coming out. You got your fucking Diablo, Diablo, and two. Would were they both? Two, I reckon, was two thousand. But you're gonna have to suck the computer's dick to get that one. <laughs> well, yeah, I got that nineties attitude. <laughs> I remember seeing uh, it is two thousand. So Diablo, but Diablo one, which is a pretty. Yeah. Like, it's massive. Blizzard, obviously, are, are killing it. They, they are PC gaming for... Command and Conqueror fucking... Mm -hmm. yeah, yep. yeah, the 2000s is... But then StarCraft is huge, which yeah. they put out in 98. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Half-Life, yeah. What else you got on the fucking PC during this time? You got some RPGs and shit coming out. You got your Baldur's Gates. Ah, uh, yes. And that sort of stuff. Yep. Your fucking Fallout 2s. Sure. Mm -hmm. Sid Meier has exploded... He's all over the shop. Yeah. Civilization? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> uh, two thousand again. Two thousand. The Sims. I was going to say out, yeah. So that's the other. Get more yeah, into that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, online shit starts taking off. Not so much in this country because we're a fuckhole for internet. <laughs> yes. But uh, to this day, yeah. Over in places that are capable of it, you know, online games, shooters in particular, mm -hmm. and then RTSs, real-time strategy games for those of you playing at home. A huge, yeah, and it and it it becomes enormous. It's kind of wild westy. It's all like different, like Game Spy shows up to try and yes. be like this weird way of coagulating servers together. But they're all over the shop. Forums are weird. Everyone's all over the place with multiplayer things and, and PC games during this time. We, you could do a whole other podcast about this because then the yeah. Dreamcast had a fucking like thirty six whatever K modem that's, in it. That's right. right, yeah. And there were ports of Quake Three and stuff, and like Fantasy Star Online was over there. EverQuest was a huge nineties PC oh, game. Yes, that comes out. Yeah, the format of what games are now is very much established mm. during this time because all your fucking Fortnites and PUBGs and whatever it all goes back to basically Quake. Mm. Yeah, that's the first massive. One where modding becomes a huge thing as well, which then leads to a lot of indie development yep. and then full studios being made out of these modders getting together yeah, yeah. during this time. Modding isn't so much a big thing anymore. People still do it for lots mm. of games, but the way that mods were in like the late 90s, early 2000s, they were fucking enormous. Yeah, They were whole different other games. Like Counter-Strike is 
considered a game. It was a fucking mod for Half-Life. Yeah. It's nuts to think about. So, yeah, the PC games were all over the shop. They were very cool. Uh, well, no, they weren't. They were fucking nerdy. It was the nerdiest place in the world. <laughs> it yeah. totally was. Yeah. Everything looked shitty. Like these beige fucking computers looked awful. Mm-hmm. Big fucking CRT monitors. We never had click, a click, uh, click. a computer at home that could play uh, many games on it. Like right. we didn't really upgrade. But my big memory of PC games around this area is like all the consoles, uniform boxes. You know, you go into a store, right. all the PlayStation boxes look the same. My memory of going through the PC aisle is that there seemed to be no, just if you make a game, you get to decide <laughs> how big the box yes, is. Yeah. You know, these like crazy, remember like the kind of fold out flap of like yeah, with the Velcro, yeah. like, yes. yeah. You get to decide how big it is and everyone has made the decision enormous. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, as big as we can afford. Yes. So huge. But you get those big thick fucking manuals in them yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Duke Nukem 3D, there's a game that came Ooh. out. There's so many good fucking late 90s PC games, there's no way we're going to touch them all. Unreal Tournament was the one that I had of, mm. of all of these and ever was a Quake guy. Um, like I said last time, I was never a Doom guy, but Unreal Tournament I'm guy. was... I'm the quality guy. <laughs> Bang or whatever, you know, instead of duh. They yeah, shoot yeah. guns. That's yeah. my parody. That's my parody of the week. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Unreal Tournament, like, basically was... I think, I guess, like, Counter-Strike, Counter-Strike played for years. Yeah. It was modded. There was different um, maps and stuff, and stuff was done to it visually, but it it was a game that was played for like seven years or something. Mm. People still play these fucking games now. Yeah. It's nuts. Some of the mods from them, like Team Fortress was a mod that was made for Quake 1 that Fuck. then became, you know, over years and years and years, Team Fortress 2, and then that kind of led into the Overwatches and shit of the yeah. world being made. Yeah. It, like, the, the genealogy of how... V- Pretty much Quake, which like came from Doom and everything. Yeah. But the way that the online coding was done in Quake was in some way revolutionary, mm-hmm. where it was trying to predict where you were going to be because internet oh, was so slow. Oh, Yes, of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah. It had algorithms in it that were saying like, if they're moving this direction, they might be here. So right. kind of trying to predict for every possibility of where they might be so they didn't actually have to update you with the information coming from the internet. It could figure it out itself on your computer, which right. was more, which was quicker. Yeah, yeah. Really clever shit being done it, like all of online gaming started now pretty yep. much and but it, it pretty much happened during this last half of the 90s there yeah. and that's what most people see games as being now yeah and shit like speed running started it was called quake done quick originally mm-hmm. uh like streaming and sharing of videos of games started on pcs during this time yeah it's wild how much of it was same as a lot of things where it was these dorky little fucking nerds doing it and everyone's like fuck you (laughs) you don't play games competitively that's then a word that we said in the 90s (laughs) (laughs) and then it turned into this you know huge fucking thing that it is today where if someone isn't into it and wants to play like a single player game they're like fuck you you nerd (laughs) yeah some word we're not going to be allowed to say in the 2030s (laughs) so yeah it's um it's cool what was happening during pc games but the scope of it is is too large to go into during this yes yeah i also think probably the best examples of those kind of games haven't actually been made yet they they are made right. probably in the early 2000s a lot of there's some big fucking deals that happen then because a lot of these are harder to go back to now because they're so um 
prototypey. They're yes. so early informative yeah. that there's not an enormous amount of reason other than historical interest to go back and play Quake over something different. I yeah. don't know what, <laughs> but a more mono. Uh, but no, it's still good, but yeah, there's there's other versions of things that get made. And there's also a hundred million like copies of these games that come out around the same time too. Yes. That are peppered all through this. Yeah. But I feel like, yeah, the the big uh tent pole PC games that I think of yeah. in this era of my life come out in our next episode. Sure. Yeah. I I like Half Life. That's a good fun game. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. Hell yeah. The next episode will be good as well. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah, yeah, early two yeah. thousands. Well let's wrap it up for uh this week. That brings us to the end of the nineties. Yeah. Um, wow. You can find us Y2K is coming for us. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Better stock up the second fridge with supplies. It seems silly right now to make fun of <laughs> a, a, a global scare that people ended up fixing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It wasn't nothing. It's that they fixed it. Yeah. So I shouldn't do if If people fix things, doesn't mean it didn't happen or we overreacted. Yeah. Mm. Important to point out at the end of our episode. The yes. <laughs> um, head to filthycasuals.com.au. You can find links to our socials and our Patreon where we're doing an extra episode every week. If you support the show, we very much appreciate you chipping in. Uh, you've also got our YouTube channel that's got our Let's Plays on it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week for the start of the 2000s. And as we say here at the end of every episode of Filthy Casuals, Suck my dick, teach! <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.